British travel journalist Anna Richards recently travelled from her home in Lyon, France, for a holiday in the former Soviet republics known as the Stans. They gained independence when the USSR fell and are now enjoying the economic benefits of their freedom. Anna says she was pleasantly surprised by Uzbekistan and she recommends a visit to these unique landlocked countries in Central Asia. Have a listen. Anna Richards, you're back. Great to have you there. Hello, thanks for having me on the show again. Now, last time we spoke to you, you had overcome Brexit difficulties, returned to work in Lyon in France, and we talked a little bit about uh, the Rugby World Cup, which is obviously uh, the big sporting event that's consuming a lot of a lot of um, human effort and uh, excitement in and around France. But you took a holiday, and it's lovely to hear of travel writers who actually take a holiday. Most of us go on a famille, and a famille is by sheer definition two or three days when you'd really love to spend uh, 15 or 20 somewhere. Uh, so where did you go and what did you do? Uh, so I went to the Stans in Central Asia um, and I did a trip through Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan um, and it was pure holiday which is really delightful and I, I realised actually that it's the first time since that I, since I, I went full-time freelance that I have taken sort of a proper holiday oh, <laughs> with, uh, with the intention to write nothing about it. Yeah, well, I, I understand that, and it's hard to do because your inclination is always when you're a freelancer, well, can I make a dollar to cover the costs of getting here? That would be the first question, and yeah. you know, then beyond that, of course, you're looking to see what, uh, how you can bonus yourself with other little activities on the side. But, no, that's great. So where, how do you get to the stance from – did you go from France or from the UK? I don't suppose it matters. Uh, it doesn't matter at all, really. No, I, I went from France, uh, from Lyon, which was very convenient. Um, so I flew via Istanbul um, and we arrived in uh, Uzbekistan, in Tashkent, which is the capital. And yep. we came home from Bishkek, again, via Istanbul. Um, and it was very, very luxurious because I didn't even have to plan the trip. Um, my best friend planned the entire thing. And there are very few people that I would let uh, plan, uh, would let plan me a trip. Um, since you know it's essentially what I do for a living yeah. uh, but he did a fantastic job and I, oh. I just I, I followed meekly that sounds fantastic so um, w- what weather were you flying into there uh, Uzbekistan was hot still a little bit less hot than we've kind of experienced in Leon before but um, it was sort of high 20s 30 degrees summer would you um, say very arid yep summer, summer? so okay. I, I believe that the best time to go to the stands if you want to kind of if you want to do sort of um, a, a couple of them in one trip is September time okay. um, so yeah Uzbekistan was hot by the time we were in Kyrgyzstan it was significantly cooler um, there was a lot of snow on the mountains um, as well uh, we were staying at a bit of a lower level, but we did sort of, we went on hikes where we hiked up to the snow line and a little bit past the snow line. So we had a good variety of temperatures as well. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds, it sounds good. Now, I, I know that these are former Soviet, uh, is it republics? Is that the correct term? I think so, yes. They, yeah, formerly part of the Soviet Union. So they're independent now, still speak we yeah. expect, aren't they? Yeah, um, I believe that... Um, if not all of them, most of them got their independence in 1991. Right. So it's not as long ago as all that. No, but it was when the when the Soviet Union sort of fell apart, so to speak. Yeah. 
Okay. And how did you find it? Were they, would you call them third world or are they, uh, are we surprised to find that it's more modern than you expected? Um, I, I think, you know, third world's a term I kind of hesitate to to use anyway. I think that there's definitely uh, a, a lot more poverty in, particularly in Kyrgyzstan, right. um, which is probably where, where I, I kind of saw that, you know, the, the infrastructure's not really there. There's a lot of a lot of roads that are in dis- in construction or just dirt tracks, even in sort of the more kind of touristy areas or right by the, the land borders with, with Kazakhstan. And I think I also got the impression that they'd probably suffered a lot during COVID as well. I, th- right. I think that Kyrgyzstan somewhere where tourism had started to really take off uh, before COVID. And then with it, you know, sort of being, I suppose, obliterated overnight, um, there's a lot of half-finished buildings and, you know, a, a lot of kind of construction in, um, you know, still happening. Right. I think that Kazakhstan surprised me because obviously it's a vast country. I think it's it's the ninth largest in the world in terms of land mass. Wow. So different places in Kazakhstan are very, very different. We spent quite a bit of time in Almaty. And honestly, Almaty makes Leon look filthy because it's so clean. There's trees everywhere. You know, all of the boulevards in the city are completely tree-lined. You get up into the mountains and the ski lodges out there, everything, you know, looks new and sparkling. They all have unisex toilets, you know, which hasn't really sort of made it to the UK or France. Wow, yeah. Um, And it seemed incredibly modern. And from somebody who knew very little about Kazakhstan and, you know, one of my more unflattering things that I knew about it was oh, hey, Borat was set there, even That's though it wasn't right. filmed there. You know, it's nothing like Borat. <laughs> Almaty is no. worlds away, away from Borat. But obviously, Almaty is also the most cosmopolitan place in Kazakhstan. So you go out into the steppe or the smaller villages, and it's very different. Right. And do you actually get to engage with the locals at all? Uh, are you sort of at the market with them, uh, buying your fruit and veg? Yeah. or how? How, what sort of cultural activity is there? Um, it's it's pretty easy to engage in the locals in terms of that you know people are very friendly and because tourists are still you know in quite a minority, people are quite curious and they want to chat to you. Um, the language barrier was very real. Um, you know we were sort of classic Brits abroad this time, in that you know neither of us spoke any Russian. We learned a couple of phrases in the local language in each country we're in, so a tiny bit of Uzbek, Kazakh, and Purchase. but you know it's very much like hello thank you two beers please um, right. okay. <laughs> yeah. well, that's good. so um, we spent a lot of time with translation apps uh, up we were quite lucky as well when we arrived in Kazakhstan I found out that my, my friend's dad has actually lived out there for over a decade and is married to a Kazakh woman and oh. they showed us around Almaty as well so you know we got a much more authentic look at Almaty because of that um but in terms of cultural activities, very different in each country. Each country was incredibly different. I mean, Uzbekistan has got phenomenal mosques, off-the-scale architecture. That right. you know, you've seen photos of it, and usually things are smaller than you've seen in a photo. And in Uzbekistan, everything seemed five or ten times bigger, mm. with an almost complete absence of tourists. And then in Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, it was a lot more to do with the the natural beauty. The mountains were phenomenal. But you also had, um, in Kyrgyzstan, there's a long uh, culture of eagle hunting. 
Yes. So we saw eagle displays. Um, we learned how to build a yurt as well because uh, a lot of Kyrgyz people are nomadic. So they'd, you know, um, go with their yurt into the mountains um, for the summer season. So they have to construct it very quickly. Um, but yeah, fascinating part of the world. It sounds, yeah, that sounds amazing. And were you able to get around, uh, what do they have, Uber or taxis or was it horse and cart? How did you get around? Uh, definitely no Uber. Um, although they may do an Almaty, I suppose. We didn't really look for it in Almaty. Right. Um, they in Uzbekistan we travelled entirely by train. Right. And we got one very long train from Tashkent in Uzbekistan over to Almaty, which took seventeen hours. Um, and you know, there's a very kind of pompous border that took about three hours to to get past the border where the guards come on with big sniffer dogs and you have to empty out your entire cage. Oh, right. um, but the train itself, all of the trains in Uzbekistan were really, really good. Put British trains certainly to shame. Um, the food wow. on board is excellent. There's a restaurant cart. You know, you get given um, your, you get given sort of, you know, a set of um, bedding for the night. Um, you can choose to have sort of a two-person or a four-person cabin. The prices are very reasonable and it was incredibly punctual. Um, so I was really, really impressed with the trains. Once we were in Kazakhstan and uh, Kyrgyzstan, we we took taxis, um, and it was a very funny thing to see in both countries that the cars have steering wheels on both sides. Um, You're kidding! Officially. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's you know it's it, it doesn't have to be illegal or anything. People can have steering wheels on whatever side they like. Officially, people drive on the right, as they do in France and, and much of Europe. Um, but uh, because they ship over a lot of second-hand cars from Japan, they've also got a lot of old cars that have their steering wheels on the left. And I was so confused getting into taxis. You never knew which side the driver was going to be on. Oh. Um, but taxis are still pretty inoffensive, especially if there's two or, or three of you. We had another friend who joined us for the second week. So once we're splitting it between three people, you can go really quite a long journey and, and not pay much at all. So it was a good way to get around especially when when the roads are quite hairy i wouldn't have been comfortable driving there myself i don't think and i guess they the, the drivers don't really want you in the front seat in case you grab the wheel <laughs> we still sat in the front seats they didn't seem remotely worried about that right. <laughs> oh. oh that's amazing i've never heard a story like that that's incredible <laughs> that's amazing and so what about the other thing we'd love to hear about is how's the food what's the food scene like um, it was a lot better than I expected. Um, I'm usually I'm a vegetarian, mm. um, and what I have learned is that when you don't speak the language <laughs> at all, going to a lot of the time rural Central Asia and trying to be vegetarian is uh, near impossible. Right. So uh, I was not particularly vegetarian on this trip. I even I ate some horse because horse is quite um, <laughs> a oh, big right. thing out in the stands. Um, but the, the food was really quite good i think i'd i'd maybe expected this kind of soviet hangover of just rather yellow flavorless stodge yeah but actually there's quite a lot of influence that seems a lot more east asian as well um there was a, a kind of a cold spicy noodle soup uh that we um we have in a lot of places uh which was absolutely delicious 
lots of kind of noodle based dishes as well um the thing is you do usually find there's some meat that creeps in so uh i think if you want to go to central asia and be vegetarian you need to have those phrases already prepared in russian and prepare for that people still probably aren't going to get it a lot so what do you just say no meat or something do you yeah um i to be honest i gave up pretty quickly and i just thought okay like i'll try and order something that looks like it doesn't have meat and if it has meat in hey ho i'll just roll with it on this trip (laughs) and and what meat what meat if it's not um uh it's not a recognizable uh dish what, uh, what sort of meat could you end up having to eat I mean, the others are quite sort of regular. There's a lot. There's a lot of lamb, particularly right. in in Kyrgyzstan. Um, yeah, horse. Lots of it in Kazakhstan, in particular. Beef, uh, chicken. Um, right. Every part of the animal is eaten as well. We went round um, a a big food market in in Almaty, in Kazakhstan, called the Green Market, and they had a whole floor dedicated to butchers' stalls. And there's a little picture, a little kind of cartoon picture of what what animal they're selling. So you've got several rows of horse, several rows of cow. Um, and eat the whole thing. You know, it's a bit like, okay. I don't know if you've ever been sort of the souk somewhere like um, Marrakesh and, you know, you just see sort of the the rather grisly looking bleeding sheep's heads. Um, there's, there's a lot of that. Nothing's right. wasted. Okay. Uh, so it's quite eye-opening. Yeah. But actually, the, the food in general was, it was surprisingly good, much oh, better than, than I'd expected. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Would you, did you think you'd spent enough time there? Would you need more time, less time? I would definitely like to go back again. I think that it, it depends on the country as well. I think that I've probably seen what I wanted to see in Uzbekistan um, because that was very much the cultural part where, you know, you had sort of these grand old old mosques and mausoleums and, mm-hmm. and you know, beautiful squares full of, of mosaics. And I, I think that I saw everything that I would like to see there and the sort of few days that we, we spent there was, was ample. Um, I'm incredibly keen to go back to above all Kazakhstan, which is my favourite out of the three, which I hadn't expected because I knew so little about it. Um, but the the mountains were nothing short of phenomenal. There's not huge amounts of hiking trails there yet, but I I think it's going to be one of the the next big hiking destinations. Well, I think sounds like a guidebook in the making, <laughs> uh, Anna. Even though it. you promised not to do any work. Never ever. I'm writing exclusively about France, uh, maybe to, to my own detriment. But um, oh, well. yeah, so I'll write nothing about it. I'll just tell you, you should, you should absolutely go. No, I think it's great. I hope you took some photos. We'd love to illustrate where you've been with one of your shots. I did take some photos. They're also phone photos. Because I wasn't working, I didn't even take my big camera. Okay. Um, but hopefully the phone photos will be sufficient. Well, I'm sure. Uh, there are people trying to do covers on magazines with them. I'm, well, I wish them well. But, really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how you can get enough uh, sort of raw file to, to do that. But anyway. No, uh, it's not a clue. <laughs> that's all good. And um, how, if people were to go to the Stans, uh, how long do you think they should... Um, budget on uh, on being there Ooh, so we we did two weeks and we managed to cover a fair amount of ground in that time mm. because the, the route that we did the the three countries are quite close basically so we did this kind of linear route they border um, each other yeah 
Yeah, so if you look on a map, you'll see that, you know, Tashkent, Almaty and Bishkek, they're not so very far from each other. I wouldn't be completely deceived by that because, I mean, the trains can cover a good distance pretty quickly, but especially when you're in Kyrgyzstan, because the the roads are really bad, it can take a really long time to get around. Reporter Anna Richards spoke to Graham Kemlow about her visit to the stands. For more information, look at AnnaHRichards.com. Don't forget that H in the middle.